Hi there, everyone. This is Brayden and Tally with the voice of my beloved podcast. And happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. <laughs> we are here in the middle of Hanukkah. We actually uh, are hosting an event right now, uh, Hanukkah Worship Week. We are dedicating this week to worship, which is, uh, it's good. It's keeping good. Keeping the for fire burning. You know? keeping, yeah, yeah. For, uh, for Hanukkah. You know, Hanukkah is all about the story of the Maccabees and the Maccabees, their, um, their passion was to cleanse the temple and to have the temple be, be pure. And so that's what our, our heart is here in worshiping. We want to have pure hearts of worship as we engage in, in worship and ministering to God. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's the focus here this week. It's been fun. We've got about 90 people out, uh, some new families, some old friends. It's uh, it's fun. It's been good. <laughs> We've yeah. been doing some choir stuff, and uh, it's always it's always fun to get a whole bunch of people together to to do worship. Uh, so yeah, so today we're actually gonna go off of our love and purity message, even though I mean this subject could fit in with the love and purity thing because <laughs> we're talking about worship. Um, but we're we are gonna um, talk today about worship about um, part of the, this is part of the teaching that, that Brayden's been uh, pondering and working on this week. Um, and we're going through the book of Malachi. And yeah, which our family has been working on for the past six months or so. Yeah, yeah. Our family's been working on memorizing Malachi. So we've, man, it's just amazing how we've read the book of Malachi every day for the past like five months or something. Tried like to. That. We've missed yeah, a few days. but Missed a couple <laughs> days. Okay, but, but we got inspired by the Pent family. This, yeah. this family, we, I think we mentioned it here in the podcast, it's a, the story is written in 10 peas in a pod. And it's just a story of this family that read the Bible a lot and just ended up memorizing lots of it just from reading it so much. Just reading it, yep. And so we thought, well, let's just give it a shot. So we just tried to read the book of Malachi every day and the children have it about, I'd say 95%, 90% memorized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's been it's been good, but it's it's amazing how many times you can hear the same book of the Bible and still get something new out of it, and still feel like you're just scratching the surface. And yeah, so. well, you just start picking up on the order of things, and like, mm-hmm. wow, that, there's a significance in just the order that's written in. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so before we go into that, though, before we go into the teaching, we're just going to mention uh, the events coming up. We have, as we've been talking about, the discipleship, uh, which is in February and March, Men and Women's Discipleship. Um, and then we have the next event like this that we have is Passover Family Week, which um, is an event that we've hosted for the past, what, 10, 11 years? Yeah. I think, uh, as Hayuvel, but this time it's going to be as Love and Purity. So might be a little bit different twist uh-huh. <laughs> to, to it. Um, but yeah, the, uh, so that'll be over Passover. And then right after that, we're going to do Hebrew, which uh, is going to be a six-week course in between Passover, Passover. and Shavuot. Shavuot, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so we're excited about that. This is the first time we're going to be doing Hebrew over the spring time. We're usually doing Hebrew right now through the winter. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, if you know people out there that are interested in learning the holy language, then this is a a great course just to get, you know, people typically after about six weeks are pretty comfortable with the basics, you know, just Mm -hmm. to have the basic structure of the language understood. So, yeah, if you know people out there that want to get that down, then, yeah, let them know about this. Yeah, it'll also probably be a little bit of a discipleship aspect to it as well. (laughs) So people come here and live together and... uh, It'll be, uh, it'll be fun, uh, just uh, yeah. worshiping and praying together and all of the community life here as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So email us if you're interested and take a look at the website. So, uh, yeah. So we'll go into the teaching here. Teaching from the book of Malachi, 
on worship. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. So, yeah, so <laughs> Malachi, we know, is the last prophet from the Tanakh, the Old Testament. And then after him comes a period of 400 years of silence before we get to the book of Matthew. Yeah. Which, what happens at that time? In that 400 years, we have the whole story of the Maccabees. Of the Maccabees. Yeah, we've got the Maccabees in there. So, so yeah, yeah. There's just uh, this whole battle that goes on for the, the temple, for the you know sacrifices, for this worship to be restored. And so you see these themes in the book of Malachi that they're they're even battling in the book of Malachi for the hearts of the people to be right in, in coming to the, the tabernacle. And you can see this battle you know played out in the book of Maccabees where the people are getting disconnected. They're getting drawn into Greek culture. You know, they're getting indifferent to the worship of God. And you see... Some of these, mm-hmm. the seeds of some of this stuff actually Leads in the book of Malachi. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a really good reminder for us in, in our times, in our culture, you know, what are some of the seeds that are getting sown mm-hmm. that are going to bear a crop of, you know, whatever it might be, indifference, selfishness, mm-hmm. hedonism, you know, all the stuff that the Greek culture was yeah. encouraging. And so, yeah, we're going to get into this, uh, the historical background, that's a little bit of it there. But then, you know, in reference to the return to Israel from Babylon, the book of Malachi was written about a hundred years before the first exiles came back to Israel. So after, yeah, after, yeah, that after, say after. yeah, 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 yeah. hundred hundred years after the exile, first exiles get there, then the book of Malachi comes in. So uh, Malachi is along with two others that were post exile, you know, after the exile prophets, you have Haggai and Zechariah as well. Haggai and Zechariah were prophesying to the people to, encouraging them to finish building the temple. Now they start on it, they can't, they don't finish it. So Zachariah and Haggai, the pep talk guys are like exhorters. I'm sure they had a motivational gifting of exhortation. And they're <laughs> saying, you can do this, you know, let's rebuild the temple. They were really encouraging. And, uh, you know, uh, there were prophets that, you know, unlike some of the other prophets, the people actually listened to him. And, right. you know, some of the prophets, like, you're going to have to tell them, but they're not going to listen to you. <laughs> but, but Haggai and Zechariah, they must have been encouraged because, like, wow, the people are actually listening to this, you know, this encouragement. So they encouraged the people to rebuild. They rebuild it. And then about 85 years after the temple is rebuilt, that's when the book of Malachi is written. So you have several years there uh, in between Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haggai and Zechariah prophesying during the time period of the book of Ezra. And Malachi is prophesying during the time period of Nehemiah. So looking back, you know, previous prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, he speaks of the glory filling the temple. We see Ezekiel 43, 5. It says, the spirit lifted me up. And then down further in that verse says, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So Ezekiel foresees this day where the house of God is going to be filled with glory. You know, we, we look back at Solomon's temple and when it's dedicated, they're worshiping is so filled with glory that they can't even stand up. They're just, they're just, they can't even continue ministering. So I'm sure the people that come back, the exiles that come back to Israel, they're thinking, okay, we're going to see this glory. Ezekiel prophesied that there's going to be this glory poured out in the temple, but it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. We don't see in, you know, in the book of Nehemiah and and Ezra that this glory actually fills the temple. Mm Mm-hmm. So you can see a little bit of why the people are becoming indifferent to God. They're going, okay, uh, is God true? Is he loving? Does he still remember us? You know, we, we've, been, we've had the temple back for 85 years, but yeah, we still haven't seen some of the stuff that we're looking forward to. And, I, and just likening that to our times, you know, we can look back and see some dramatic events in our generation. Let's go back to 1948, the reestablishment of the nation of Israel, 1967, Jerusalem brought back into the, into the nation. And so, you know, I've heard dad tell some stories. My dad, he said, you know, back in that time period, 60s, 70s, people were saying, oh, Jesus is coming back anytime now. 
because like I said, you know, looking at the at what was going on in the world, there's like miracles. there's yeah. these things that are gonna, you know, for sure, just gonna lead to the coming glory of God's kingdom, and you know, they're all excited about it. But now we're getting what 70, 75 years out from those things, and people are you can see this indifference coming in. And so Malachi, I feel like, is a very pertinent book for our times because we, yeah, we can see things happening. Uh, we can see things happening, but not maybe on the quite as grand of a scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so is it, we, we, we see a challenge to indifference in the book of Malachi. And I feel like it's a challenge that we need to hear today. We need to take to our hearts the, mm-hmm. the challenge that Malachi brings forth. Yeah, also, I mean, just the whole picture, I was just thinking just how different it is. The first temple, you had the whole the whole um, people of Israel united under a king, a rich, wise king. Mm. And like just the whole, even the building of the temple was just His dad like, set him up with millions of dollars. Oh man, <laughs> I know he's, he, and everyone's just giving him stuff and coming to visit. And, you know, there's everything's gold and cedar and everything just, I mean, from the story, it's, it seems like, things just fell right into place. Like there was the kiss of God on it. It Uh wasn't, you know, some really hard thing that they had to keep on plugging away. And then, and then, like you said, the glory of God filled the temple. Like there was, you know, this amazing time of building the temple and then God came and filled the temple. This is like a totally different story. You've got, you know, we've got this remnant of Israel coming back, one or two of the tribes coming back. Uh, to to the land, they're building the temple. This is not some easy task. I mean, they're just like wore out. They're tired. They're coming from a foreign land. They're getting readjusted to a land. They're, you know, it's like it's it's trials getting the thing built, and then the thing gets built, and it's like, man, this is not what the story was about. Like, why? You know what I mean? You even see so that in the in the book of Ezra, I believe it is, where they're they're we- some of them are weeping and some of them yes. are shouting. It was like this mix emotion like what right. is God doing you know this kind of a little bit of confusion yeah maybe, say, for like, people that even knew what the other temple you know had with the glory of the other temple and they're looking at this going God what yeah. like this is they nothing had, they had encouragement in it because Jeremiah prophesied that you know 70 years they're going to be in exile they're mm-hmm. going to come out and so it happened just like Jeremiah said Daniel's there mm-hmm. praying for the words of Jeremiah to come to pass yeah so they they know that God is leading them and I believe, you know, for a lot of us, we say, we know that God's leading us. We know, but yeah. maybe we're not seeing the breakthrough of power, the yeah. breakthrough of miracles that, that we hope to see. Like mm-hmm. we, we can even read about in history, you know, mm-hmm. you know, likening Solomon's temple to, let's say, the life of Smith Wigglesworth. Like, mm-hmm. or, you know, some of these guys that operated in, in the supernatural power of God or even some biblical examples. Let's say, you know, we want, we want to see the restoration of God's power. You know, mm-hmm. Peter and John, you know, seeing the lame walk, the dead rise, all these things. Yeah. And, and we want to see that, but but when it doesn't happen, are we going to grow indifferent as the people in Malachi's day? Right. You know, right. If we don't see, we want to keep pressing on to yeah. see those things. We want to hold on to God's yeah. word. But and even looking at it, this story, like what the time period that we're in right now, like we're always giving a choice. Um, like we can look at the miracle of the birth of the state of Israel, and we can look at that and be like wow, that was amazing. That was such an incredible move of God that brought the Jewish people back. But then, you know, you, you do have 
it's not like that happened all in some grand, beautiful picture. This is the product of the, the Holocaust, you know? And so it's kind of almost a test of our faith to go, are you going to acknowledge me even in the trials? Like, are you going to acknowledge that I'm doing a work even in the trials? Or are you going to allow the negative things to turn you away, you know, and think that my plan isn't good? Yeah. You know, so it's really a testing place. Yeah. I, I see in the book of Malachi, the people emotionally, I would say, are dealing with an offense toward God mm-hmm. because they're yeah. saying, where is the God of justice? You yeah. know, do, in what way have you loved us? You mm-hmm. know, there, these questions come up. There's a lot of questions in the book of Malachi and God's putting his finger on you are basically wanting to relate to me on your own terms. Mm-hmm. You know, if I withhold my glory as he did with the temple, apparently, Mm-hmm. It seems that he withheld the power of his glory entering that second temple. Mm-hmm. You know, are you still going to serve me? Are you still going to live for me? Mm-hmm. And I think our answer should be yes. You know, yeah. no matter what happens, we can't get offended. You know, John the Baptist is in prison, you know, and he's the one heralding the Messiah. He's like, the Messiah is coming. And this is, you know, Yeshua said of John, he's the greatest of any born among women. But yet he's sitting in, in, uh, in the jail there. Herod's got him jailed up. And he's going, are you the one or do we look for another? Yeshua sends back, blessed is he who's not offended in me. Right. You know, it's like, even if you don't see the power that you're looking for, even yeah. if you don't see the extent of it, hold on, hold on. There's glory coming. Ezekiel's mm-hmm. prophecy will be fulfilled. It's going to happen. The glory is <laughs> going to fill the temple. Yeah. Power is going to come. God's mm-hmm. power is going to fill us because we're going to have to have it. We're going to have to have it to see the, the fullness of God's purposes. But in this in-between stage, which we see here in Malachi, mm-hmm. you know, 85 years later, mm-hmm. after the temple's built, or are you still going to hold on? Yeah. Or are you just going to get cold? Are you going to get indifferent to God? Yeah. I mean, the, the attitude that you see in Malachi, the attitude of the people, it is, it really, when you look at it, you're just sitting there going, you can't pass that on to the next generation. That, yeah. that kind of, yeah, we're doing it still, Blase, but kinda, yeah. we'll do it still. We'll still go to the temple. We'll still do the thing, but why, why are we doing this? You know, yeah. that's the attitude that you get. And it's like that, you know, this is. And, and that is, it's kind of where we're at, where I feel like, you know, like a lot of uh, believers in Messiah, the Christian um, world, it's like, yeah, we'll still go to church. Life is easy. It's whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, but I'm still not willing to lay it all down for it. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to give my whole life for this, this thing, you know, it's like, and that doesn't pass on. It doesn't go on, go to yeah. the next generation. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're praying and we're, we're believing God that in our generation, God's going to call forth. And, mm-hmm. and you see this in the book of Malachi. God even points out those. He said, you know, yeah, they're dealing with a lot of indifference and apathy, but God even points out, it says, but then he was mm-hmm. listening to the conversation of those that feared him. Uh-huh. And so I just want to, we want to encourage those, yeah. you know, encourage the body. Let's have conversations about fearing God, about loving God. Yeah. And I'm even thinking about that, like, cause, it, cause this, you know, going through Malachi, it actually does point out, like as Braden said, it, that the people who feared God got together and talked. Right. And I just, I'm just thinking in my brain as we're talking about it, I'm like, I bet that the Maccabees were descendants of those people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. You know, pretty good, pretty good conjecture there. I think. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's let's keep on holding on to the promises of God's kingdom that's coming and not lose heart. Yeah. So just want to get into the worship aspect here. In, in Ezra and Nehemiah, we see that they're reestablishing the tabernacle of David. We see in Ezra 3.10, it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord. So this is right from the start. You know, they're establishing the temple. They're going to 
have the praise that David. It says, according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively. You know, they're singing back and forth. There's something that David had this revelation that we should do this. You know, sing back mm-hmm. and forth, have choirs going back and forth even. And, it, it, you know, you read Isaiah 6, and it says the seraphim are worshiping. Isaiah has this revelation of heaven, and they're going back and forth. You know, this is one cried to the other and said, kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is something that David actually commanded the worship to be set up this way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit away from the, uh, maybe let's say the performance uh, mindset of just like a spectator worship. It's yeah. that we're engaging it together. We're actually encouraging one another yeah. to offer a praise to God, mm-hmm. you know, going back and forth uh, with each other. It says uh, to praise and give thanks group. Uh, no, I'm in the wrong verse there. Going back to uh, Ezra. It says uh, they're singing, praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. They're singing the same song they sang at the dedication of Solomon's temple, mm-hmm. singing the Hallel. You know, this is the, Part of the significance of the Hallel Psalms is there, you know, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. These are the songs that they're singing at the dedication of the temple. These mm-hmm. are really significant psalms historically that they would sing mm-hmm. at these really special times. So we have that in Ezra. Then we go to Nehemiah verse tw- uh, chapter 12, verse 45. It says, both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his sons, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Then we go to verse 24, 12, 24. It says to praise and give thanks, group alternating with group according to the command of David, the man of God. So here, again, just kind of reiterating what Ezra says, and we see this in Nehemiah, that they're, they're establishing the tabernacle of David as David commanded praise to be offered. This is what they're seeking to do. We want to do it like David said to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I believe in our day, you know, we have the prophecy in Amos that God's going to raise up the tabernacle of David. And then James, he underlines that and says, yeah, the God's going to raise up the tabernacle of David and uh, the remnant of mankind are going to be drawn to God. So this whole establishing worship, establishing praise of God is really connected to God's purposes, even for the earth Mm -hmm. and for there to be praise. You know, Malachi even mentions that. He says there's going to be incense in every place. You know, he's going to be greatly feared among the nations. And so as, you know, whoever's listening out there, just want to encourage you in that as you're worshiping in your family, as you're worshiping, you know, in your congregation, this is not something we do just kind of, you know, as just part of a, a, uh, fun thing that we do it's 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 actually part of god's word that god's going to establish worship in the earth and this is something that's connected to his purposes for filling the earth with his glory Mm -hmm. he's going to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the lord yes yeah so moving on to just some of the things that we can learn i believe from malachi about worship these are this is kind of uh talking about the different things that malachi addresses yeah he addresses number one you know the first chapter it opens up god says i have loved you the people respond, as I mentioned, there's questions. They go, they say, in what way have you loved us? You know, and so they're like questioning God's love for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, emotionally speaking, that's the baseline point where we begin to stray in our hearts. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been through all these trials. I've been through, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Somebody got sick and died. Somebody, you know, whatever hurt me. Somebody rejected me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Does God really love me? You know, and so this is kind of what the people are dealing with. They're dealing with this sense of rejection, like, in what way have you loved us? They're asking God kind of bitter a little bit. It's like, in what way have you loved me? Mm-hmm. And but I think the, so we have to realize that's a battle. So we, I think we counteract that. We say, uh, we meditate. You know, it says in Psalm 48, 9, we have thought, oh God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. Mm-hmm. So this is something, you know, as you're going into worship, you want to enter into God's presence and you want to meditate. You want to think about 
his love for you. He loves you so much. And this is, you know, when you realize that, when you realize the depth of his love, it, it draws you to him and you want to worship him. It's mm-hmm. not that you're coerced into it. You want to do it. Mm-hmm. And first John three, one, you know, behold what manner of love is something you want to behold it. You want to meditate on it. Look at it. Behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. This one, this should be our preoccupation, you know, in worship that, wow, we just want to revel. We want to bask in our father's love. And mm-hmm. this is the place of sons and daughters that right. we, we accept it. We believe it. We don't question it. We, we know that he loves us. We're deeply assured mm-hmm. that we are loved by the father. And another thing that actually that Malachi addresses is that the father, you know, there's only just a side note, there's only 15 references to God as the father in the whole Tanakh, in the whole Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the New Testament, the four gospels, you have 165 references to God as the father. And Yeshua, he, you could say one of his big missions was to introduce people to God as the father, mm-hmm. as an as Abba, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he says, you know, even the scripture says no one comes to the father, but by me, it's like Yeshua wants to bring you to the father. He wants to introduce you to the Father. This this uh, relationship is so key to why he even came, you know, to, to people to come to the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, just uh, knowing the Father's love, beholding that love is, is so important. So we see that addressed in Malachi that, you know, you want to, you need to believe in that. Don't, don't question that love. That's kind of the, the beginning point of going astray, of mm-hmm. losing sight of worship. Mm-hmm. And then uh, going on uh, down Further in Malachi, we see him addressing human relationships, you know, and so sometimes we get this idea, well, you know, well, sometimes people will kind of come across, God. yeah, me and God, we're just, we've got it going on. We're, <laughs> I worship God. He loves me. I don't have and, any other friends, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on an island all by myself and, uh, but we, me and God, we're great. And so, but, but no, Malachi addresses this. He says, uh, why do we deal treacherously one with another? You know, and that word's a kind of a big word, but it's it's a it's a it's a pretty strong word too, dealing mm-hmm. treacherously. And I think that we maybe do this unaware at times, uh, dealing treacherously. It's where we're not considering our brother and sister. You know, we're doing things, and this is the fruit of of an indifferent relationship mm-hmm. with God. That we're not really fearing God. Yeah. You know, we should be born out of the fear of God. We we see He addresses that first. You know, this this God says, "I love you," and then that should give birth to our relationship with one another, that we would love, love others. Yeah. And first I love the Malachi. He he just addresses the core unit, the family unit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he's, he's saying he, he does address dealing treacherously with one another, but his main goal is to get, is to get people dealing rightly in marriage and, uh, and addressing the, that, that relationship, the marriage relationship, and not dealing treacherously with one another. Yeah, yeah. He mentions that. Why do we deal treacherously with one another in the community? But then he really hones in, mm-hmm. and the majority of that chapter that's dealing with relationships is talking about marriage. Yeah. And so, yeah, he says, you got to take heed to your spirit, you know, mm-hmm. that you do not deal treacherously with mm-hmm. the wife of your youth. And mm-hmm. so this is something that we have to deal with very uh, intentionally. You know, we look back at Nehemiah. In Nehemiah's day, this was an issue. The guys were going after foreign women, Moab, Ammon, all these people. And so when you kind of put the books together, when you put Malachi and Nehemiah together, you get this picture that the men are actually leaving their wives in order to pursue these foreign women. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very grave sin. And you look at Nehemiah, he's zealous and confronting it. He, he's going up and actually pulling guys' hair out. You know, he's pulling their <laughs> hair out, uh, confronting them. saying, you can't do this. And so we see this in our culture today. You know, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I believe that we're seeing a falling away is because this, one of these foundational 
things is being attacked. The foundational element of of uh, marriage is mm-hmm. being attacked. And you know, Psalm says that the foundation are destroyed. What can the righteous do? Mm-hmm. You know, this foundation of family, marriage, mm-hmm. and and Malachi addresses this. It's it, you know, it's same now as it was then. Probably, probably even worse now. But you know, because we have a lot more. Uh, you know, potential for exposure to, you know, things that are going to pull us away. But, you know, in this time period, they're getting pulled away. They're getting pulled away from worship, uh, pure worship, because they're they're going after these other women, you know, and then we see that happening today in the church, yeah. that, you know, guys are getting distracted by these foreign women. They're not loving their wives. Mm-hmm. They're getting distracted by yeah. all these harlots out there. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I love just the, I love the focus on the human relationships, like, and how it, um, you know, it doesn't leave room for I'm good with God. I don't have to be at peace with the people around me so much. And I believe the reason he focuses so much on that is because Malachi wants, he is into the generational thing. He's talking about raising up godly seed, that this is the whole point of marriage is to raise up godly seed. He's talking about the hearts of the children turn to the fathers, the hearts of the fathers turn to the children. And he's addressing this generational thing. And I think that's why the relationships are so important is that, you know, you could have a good relationship with God, but it's not going to go anywhere. We need this to go to the next generation. Right. And so it can't just be about, you know, there has to be the love each, you know, love your neighbor as yourself aspect of it so that we can see this passed on to the next generation. Yeah. And one thing culturally just to look at with Malachi is that they're all gathering to one place to worship the temple, right? They, you know, they bring right. their offerings. And so they didn't have the option to say, well, I'm, I'm aggravated. They take me off. I'm just going to go down the church down the street. You know, right. <laughs> they all had to bring their offering to the same place. And so we need to have vision for that as well, that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to work through these things, these relational conflicts that we have in order to bring a pure offering to God. You know, this Malachi addresses this. He says, mm-hmm. you know, he said, he even tells the priest, he said, oh, that you would shut the doors. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, you're worshiping me in vain, you know? Right, right. And James addresses, he says, he says, um, in James 3, 9, he says, with it, we bless our God and Father, speaking of the tongue. He says, we're blessing God, the Father, worshiping, and with it, we curse men who have been made in, this, in the likeness of God. So James, he, you know, it's, it's age old, this issue of, you know, you could act like everything's fine. You know, oh, I'm blessing God, worshiping God, but then speaking horribly of your neighbor. And mm. this is not pure worship. You know, it's work. not, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> not what God's desiring. So we, we have to have vision for, you know, going together, you know, with the generations, with our neighbor and bringing an offering of worship to God. This is where God wants us to be. And it's good. It takes work for sure. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of effort, uh, but this is what God desires of us. Mm-hmm. So we also see in uh, in the book this desire that God has for the f- refining fire is is actually going to produce the pure worship. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's referred to in Malachi uh, quite a few times. This refining fire that yeah. that God's going to purge. He's yeah. purging them as gold and silver, getting yeah. the dross off. That sounds so fun, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but just you know, for those out there that may be going through trials, like realize that God is going to bring you through. And as Job said, when I, when I come through this, I'm going to be as gold refined, you know, and this, this is something, you know, in this side of eternity, it's sometimes hard for us to really get a grasp of how important that is to God, you know, that we, but when we get to that, when we get into his presence, mm-hmm. all the, the hardships, all the trials that we went through on this side in, in our lives right now, it'll, we'll see him through a totally different lens. You know, mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll be, wow, God, he did that in order to bring forth a, a much purer sacrifice mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll, we'll have such a joy in that moment. You know, we see in first Peter four twelve it says, beloved, 
do not think it is strange. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Messiah's sufferings for that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Mm -hmm. So when his glory comes, that glory that Ezekiel talked about, it's going to come and, Mm -hmm. and you'll be, you'll be glad. You'll be able to rejoice. Be gold. Yeah. You'll be gold. You'll be able to (laughs) rejoice and you'll be able to be glad with exceeding joy. It says Mm -hmm. here in Peter. So, uh, yeah, just be encouraged that God's doing a work. You know, we can look at all the problems. We can kind of get preoccupied with the problems sometimes, Mm -hmm. but realizing they're serving a purpose and not just thinking, oh man, this is just totally just, you know, outside the will of God. Sometimes we look at problems and go, this can't be God's will, you know, <laughs> but God's using these things. He's using these, these trials to actually bring us forth mm-hmm. in, uh, in worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then to close, I believe Malachi, he just gives us keys on how to even bring our families, you know, cause we, Malachi closes, he talks about remember Moses, you know, he's, they're going to this 400 years of silence. So he's like, don't forget the word. You know, you want to make sure to keep the word of God alive. And we see that with the Maccabees, you know, that there was this, the fight was over the word, really. I mean, they're, they're trying to steal the Bible, you know, that even this whole story of the dreidel, you know, they're out there, they're doing Torah studies in caves a lot of times. And the, the uh, Greek soldiers come in and, you know, do these raids and they just rip out their dreidels, right? To start spinning and act like they're playing a game and hide the Torah scrolls. So mm-hmm. that was a little history on the, on the dreidels. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but Malachi said, yes, remember Moses. And then he says, I'm sending you Elijah, the prophet. And Elijah, we know is the prophet of fire. He, he calls down fire from heaven, you know, more than one occasion, right? He calls mm-hmm. fire down from heaven with the whole instance with Baal, the Baal worship and says, if, you know, if God's be God, then, uh, then, then you'll choose this day whom you're going to serve. If God's God, then worship him. And then we know he calls down fire again on this, on these groups of soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then he goes up in a chariot of fire. Elijah's the prophet of fire. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Malachi, he's kind of meeting this, this spirit of indifference that the people have. He says, there's fire coming. There's the, the uh, Elijah, this pr- prophet of fire. He's going to come and prepare the way of the Lord. And we know John the Baptist fulfills that. And John the Baptist, you know, you think of him, he's, like, he's a fiery preacher. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's preparing the way. He's calling out sin. He's getting the people ready to experience mm-hmm. the glory of God. Yeah. And so, and then wrapping up the whole book, he says that this spirit, this fiery spirit of Elijah yeah. is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. So he's going to bring restoration to families. You know what? I'm just thinking uh, as you're speaking, just thinking about Solomon. And like we just talked about Solomon when he's building the temple and the glory of the Lord comes and stuff. They didn't go through that fire. Mm. Like it was pretty, it was pretty nice. You know, as far as Solomon, he didn't go through that fire. And then what happened afterwards, the family of Israel gets split. Mm. You know, they lose the Mm -hmm. brothers. There's, they lose the hearts of the children aren't toward, turned towards the fathers anymore. The fathers aren't turned towards the children anymore. And that's what happens if, if you get the glory without the trials, without mm. the testing, without the refining. And so uh, it's why we need to embrace the, the refining fire mm-hmm. because it's, we're going to see the glory at one time. But we need to, and we need to experience the, the refining fire so that at the end of it, it's not going to be some short-lived thing like yeah. it was in Solomon's day. It's, mm-hmm. it's only going to last this generation, guys. Mm-hmm. We're only going to see the glory for this generation. No, we're going to go through the fire. It's going to be pure gold. And when we see the glory of God come down, this is going to go on for generations. Amen. This is going to be a, yeah, that's good. So, <laughs> Yeah, so be encouraged as you 
finish out this Hanukkah season that God's fire, his, his, the fire of his love will light up your heart and you'll rededicate that temple of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. Offer that pure offering of worship. Yeah, have a great rest of Hanukkah. This is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He is coming quickly. 